Good morning. It's Monday, February 12th. I'm Beth Golay, and this is Wichita's Early Edition from KMUW News. Have you ever wondered about the people who make sure tabletop board games are ready for the market? With playtesters, one of the um, you know, most important perspectives to have is right, somebody who, for lack of a better term, is looking to break the game. We learn about playtesters after the news. The Kansas City Chiefs won a second consecutive Super Bowl last night, defeating the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 in overtime. Patrick Mahomes threw the game-winning touchdown pass to McCole Hardman. Mahomes was named the game's most valuable player. The Chiefs became the first team to win consecutive Super Bowls in nearly 20 years. They have won three NFL championships in the last five years. Super Bowl 58 was played in Las Vegas, and the Chiefs will celebrate the victory with a parade in downtown Kansas City on Wednesday. Wichita school board members will hear a plan tonight to close some school buildings at the end of this academic year. School officials say resources are spread too thinly over the district's 90-plus schools. Wichita's enrollment is declining, and some buildings need major repairs. Board members decided last month to explore closing some elementary and middle schools. Administrators have compiled a list and plan to present it to the board tonight. Officials have said no employees will lose their jobs. Students and staff from closed schools would move to other buildings. More Kansas schools could lose their accreditation under a plan being considered by state lawmakers. KMUW's Suzanne Perez reports. A bill endorsed by the Kansas Policy Institute would strip school districts of their accreditation if they don't comply with state laws. The conservative group thinks the state's system of accrediting districts lets too many schools operate without showing progress in student test scores. State Board of Education member Ann Ma opposes the measure. She says the board works with districts on improvement plans. The legislature should not create a private right of action for anyone who just simply doesn't agree with us. We get elected to make those decisions, as you do. Some opponents say the bill is part of a campaign against the teaching of race and diversity in schools. For KMUW News, I'm Suzanne Perez. Sedgwick County is using a new tool to combat overdose deaths, monitoring wastewater. Here's KMUW's Kylie Cameron with more. Wastewater monitoring became popular during the pandemic to track COVID-19 levels. Now, the county is using the same technology to track what it's calling high-risk substances in almost real time. The substances include fentanyl, methamphetamine, and cocaine. Sedgwick County Health Director Adrian Byrne says the data can then be used to guide overdose prevention efforts. That usage might not be as high as it's going to be, and so there, couldn't be, there might be able to be some prevention in there as well, and then, and then responding with the Narcan and fentanyl strips. The county says it also wants to be more proactive in tracking emerging drugs, like xylazine, before they become more prevalent in the community. For KMUW News, I'm Kylie Cameron. Kansas lawmakers say they are raising their pay in hopes of making it easier for people who are not independently wealthy to serve in the legislature. Daniel Cottle of the Kansas News Service has more. Kansas lawmakers will earn nearly $58,000 starting in 2025, almost twice their current pay. Some legislators say the current pay is too low, making it hard for people to serve unless they're retired or have other income. 
A few Republican lawmakers tried to block the pay raise. They say they don't think taxpayers would approve such a significant increase. The raise came at the suggestion of a bipartisan task force lawmakers created to study their pay. Lawmakers did not have to vote on the raise. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Daniel Caudill at the State House. Brain drain, the migration of people with a higher education degree, remains an issue in most of the Midwest and Great Plains. As Harvest Public Media's Anna Pope reports, recent U.S. Census data shows many states are losing some of their most educated residents. Job opportunities play an important role in Midwesterners leaving their home state, according to research from the University of Nebraska. Josie Schaefer, director of the University's Center for Public Affairs Research, has been tracking brain drain using census data since 2010. She says there are jobs available, but many people are looking for what she calls job density. So I think folks are really looking for those places where it's not just one good job, it's the potential over a lifetime for lots of good jobs. Despite the trend, Schaefer says many college-educated residents remain in their home states, sometimes moving to more urban areas. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Anna Pope. The Wichita Wind Surge will hold a job fair this month for the upcoming baseball season. The event will take place on February 24th at Riverfront Stadium. People attending are encouraged to bring a completed job application and a resume. The Wind Surge is hiring for part-time seasonal positions such as grounds crew workers and fan hosts. The team is also looking for a mascot. Applicants have to be at least 16 years old. The food and beverage department is also hiring concession workers, including cooks and dishwashers. More information is at windsurge.com. We'll be back after this. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. This is Wichita's Early Edition. I'm Beth Golay. There's a lot that goes into making a tabletop game. There's even more that goes into making a good tabletop game. KMUW's Hugo Fan talked with a couple of local gamers participating in one of the crucial steps of bringing a tabletop game to market. Yes. Whoever goes whole goes first. Oh, that's right. So I yep. will actually go, let me go, I would rather... You'd rather go, go rather second. Go second. Yeah. So you're gonna go that's Kevin right Smith now. and Norm Nevins. They're lifelong tabletop gamers. They've played every type of hobby game there is, from elaborate board games to complex role-playing games. Recently, Nevins and Smith have focused on one particular game, Warzone Eternal, a title that's scheduled to be released later this year. It's a tactical miniature skirmish game in which several factions duke it out for supremacy in a dystopian future. Over the past several years, they've logged numerous sessions playing the game. If you look over three years, that's 150 weeks. I would guess at least at least 50 plus games. So how did Smith and Nevins get their hands on the game before everyone else? They're playtesters, a role in the development of tabletop games that test drives the product to make sure the rules are fair and accessible. In 2022, the board game market was worth nearly $19 billion. It's projected to become a $40 billion industry by 2028. 
and shoot at this guy. So okay. I'm a 13 plus 4 is a 17 minus 4. 4. I'm back down so to a 13. 13 to hit. Yep. Roll 14 for me. 8. That hits. So With sure money on the line, it makes sense for a tabletop company to ensure that players have a good experience. Alex Kanaus is the CEO of ResNova Games, which publishes Warzone Eternal. He says that the role of playtesting is crucial in the game-making process. With playtesters, one of the um, you know, most important perspectives to have is right, somebody who, for lack of a better term, is looking to break the game. When it was time to find playtesters, Knaus immediately thought of Smith, someone he knew from playing previous incarnations of Warzone. Smith then recruited Nevins, who, because he was not familiar with the franchise, offered a fresh perspective on the game. So Smith and Nevins set out and tried to break the game, over and over and over again. Each play session, the duo would set up a scenario within the game and tackle it with a series of stress tests. They then reported their findings back to Knaus so he could decide whether changes need to be implemented. You know, from our side, we've tried really hard to create a rule set that uh, has as much balance as you can get into something like this and that still has all the fun packed in the box, if you will. Both of them have gone through six versions of the rules. For Nevins, experiencing the whole process and seeing the changes over time is satisfying. When you put your hand to something and you're walking through a process and you do see a problem, and you've got that input directly back to a designer and you say, here's what we saw. And then iterations of the rule set later, you begin to see, oh, hey, we've modified that based on the input we sent. And, and that's really gratifying to know that you're actually making an impact into the design process. And for many seasoned players, insight into the process is a reward unto itself. According to Knaus, it's an opportunity for them to look under the hood of the game. You know, it's getting to participate in something that, that still is in its formative stage. So you get to see it kind of warts and all. You get to see how the sausage is made a little bit. And, but, but then you also get to just kind of engage in this thing that you like doing, which is gaming. In the end, Smith hopes Warzone Eternal will attract an audience so he can keep playing the game he's spent so much time testing. The hope would be that the gameplay is solid enough and that the models are solid enough that the additional players out of our local stores would find that the game is worth looking at and investing in. There's more of Hugo's story at kmuw.org. Thanks for joining us for Wichita's Early Edition. We'll be back again tomorrow. For KMUW News, I'm Beth Golay. Wichita's Early Edition is part of the NPR Podcast Network.